1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. My name is Benji, and today's guest is Jens Haugland, who is both the CEO of the Norwegian branch of UNOX and the general manager of UNOX Pro Cycling Team. First of all, welcome. And uh, I'd like to ask you a, a simpler question to start off with. You're the general manager of a cycling team. What responsibilities fall under that role?
2: Uh, thanks, Benji. Uh, glad to be invited to this legendary podcast. Uh, <laughs> general manager... Uh... I would say, basically, you're responsible for everything. Okay. Um, it's the head, the head lead of, uh, of the team. Uh, and the final uh, uh, responsibility in, in every case will pos- potentially end up at my desk. And, and that's just uh, the role of a general
1: manager in a positive way and also uh, some days a negative way. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to uh, the you know, X men's team, you know, X became a name sponsor. I think in 2017 for the men's team in the continental rankings. Back then, by 2020, the team had moved up to the pro tour division. What are the men's ambitions in the coming years? Is there are there plans for Wilter and so forth?
2: Yeah, we have been. Uh, well, it's only been five years, and we're still considered to be quite a young business in this game. Uh, I'm actually also quite young in this in this business uh, of general <laughs> managers, but. Uh, uh, we have seen that that um, the way we have found our identity and our way in this system has been really good for us, for the team, but also for our business. Um, and we've said very openly that we don't have these very detailed long-term plans, but we want to create a system for development of, uh, in particular, Scandinavian riders that potentially can fulfill dreams for a lot of people in our countries. Um and if that ends up in the World Tour, uh, well, then then it's where we deserve to be. Um, we will apply for the license in twenty three. Now for the men's team, we already got it for the women's team. So so that's one signal about ambitions. But I think it's even more important just to to be very clear about the identity and the philosophy of our project, and, and then we will see where it takes us at the end.
1: Yeah, certainly development seems to be a the big part of the team so far. We had. Wonderful riders already crossed to other World Tour teams in the past. For example, Tobias Foss went to Jumbo after winning the Tour de in your final year at UNOX. Then we had Andreas soon going to DSM. Jonas Wiedeberg recently going to DSM. But he's a I think, to Bahrain. But I'm not 100% sure about that one. <laughs> With the men's team's desire of aiming for that promotion to World Tour, you're talking about the development is the most important part. But how does one strike the balance between allowing strong riders to leave to other world tour teams yet keeping strength to be able to keep up that development pathway and potentially not damage the future world tour status?
2: Yeah, super good question. Um, And uh, I would be glad if you can pass that on to Edwin van der Saal or something, uh, because I've been very open about the fact that even at a world tour level, we we think that we can be a system known for our development of of young riders uh, having Uh, a young average level in the team, of course, in combination with uh, experienced riders as well. And uh, if you look into Ajax Amsterdam and how they perform as a team, they have years being crazy good. Uh, At the moment, they are in that situation. Mm -hmm. And then they have two years, three years struggling a bit more, but they're still in the Champions League, still fighting for development of their players. Um, And they never compromise in terms of how to play the game. And, and the identity of the system. And uh, this is where we want to be as well. Um, we are uh, very conscious about how we want to, to to be seen as a team. And I will always support riders uh, when they leave. And I will always say that you're welcome back. And, and that's just a part of, of coming from Scandinavia, I think, in a big cycling world where well, you need to recognize that in the words of Eunos uh, and UIS and Mimovismus, um well, you need to know your position, and, and I'm trying to find it for our for our team.
1: Yeah, I get that. We've seen uh, the team at the forefront of world recycling as well this year already in 2021. I, I remember E3 with uh, Marcus Hulgaard in top ten. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember Kun Reszekune, who's which which should be a world to raise. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, but then, uh, yeah. And, um, I think Jonas Wiedeberg was in the breakaway there. Uh, I ended up with
2: Mathieu. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, all in all, you, your team has shown in world tour and at the forefront of cycling that they're honestly a a good team and the people see that and the people see that that is a team that they want to root for because you're always at the forefront. I think also in the tour of the Alps in one of the earlier stages, I think in the first few stages, I remember Marcus Hulgaard doing very well as well, but, uh, can we expect a similar race schedule in 2022 than 2021
2: well i hope this race schedule will be somewhat strengthened um, uh, the way so belgium is basically our second home as a team we have a uh, um, two service courses down there a lot of staff we love racing in belgium it's very comparable i think for for norwegian and, and, and danish athletes in terms of, of how we are built as as people um so the courses fit us really well great parkours and it's the home of cycling so i really hope that uh, we can step it up again we were, we're really happy about getting the e3, inv- e3 invitation last year i think marcus showed that we deserved it on behalf of the team and and i hope that we can do more world tour races in in belgium uh in the in the spring uh, season so let's see what uh, the communication will be in the weeks to come from the organizers uh but um And and, and as I said, we are not from Belgium or France or Italy or Spain, so we have to stick into this for long term and and just hope that we get the invitations based on how we we perform as a system and and how we are recognized. and um, We are seeing small signs of that and and hopefully it's not the end station and, and we will just keep on working.
1: Certainly. I think uh, when it comes to the ground tours, it's very difficult to get a wild card as a, a pro Conti team. We look at the Italian uh, Giro d'Italia, where it feels a bit politically from my mm. point of view, where Italian teams are basically uh, invited more than other teams. And, you know, X... Ex- doesn't really have that Scandinavian Grand Tour or something that they can be invited to from that aspect. And with the Tour de France, the French teams also get a bit of an advantage. With the Velta, we've got Oiscautel and Equipo Ken Pharma, and so forth, so the Spanish teams. Now, yeah. it's difficult to get into a Grand Tour, but if you had to choose, which of the three would you like to be invited to?
2: Ah, oh, tough question, of course, but, but <laughs> it, it, in Norway in particular, the Tour de France lies yeah. very close to our hearts uh, with the history of Husov and Kristoff and Edvald Boas um, We are also a product of these riders. Uh, this is why cycling has grown so much in Norway the last 10-15 years, based on these guys. Um, so of course, having two teams at the start line of Tour de France is is a huge dream for us, um, and we are very open about that. And I, uh, well, for the last two years, I've had the winners of, of Tour de l'Avenir. So it's not like and the two the yeah. winners uh, the two years before, though, those two guys were Pogacar and, and Bernal. So it's not like I have a muppet show on the road. I have a very very strong <laughs> team. Uh, so hopefully it is recognized, but I understand it's a tough call for. Uh, for uh, the organizers in Grand Tours also we need to emphasize the importance of having strong national development systems in Italy, Spain and France because it it generates a lot of attention for our sport so it's a fine balance Um, and I guess it's uh, partly up to the UCI and partly up to the organizer and maybe they will um, help us a bit with the 23, 23 teams or something.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. Um, but uh, you spoke about his half. You spoke about Bosenhagen and Christoph. Uh I know that Iverson is, uh, is an important factor behind the team at UNOX. You know, he's a rider that when I was a kid, I was uh, playing on Pro Cycling Manager with him as one of my <laughs> riders. So uh, he's certainly still also one of those riders for me. I think he had a great cobble result at some point. Was it of landern or something? It, it's been a while. But, um, yeah,
2: he, he won the E3, and he, he, E3, has, yes, uh, that was it. he has a Giro stage win, and he has Tour de France yeah. stage win, uh, so he has uh, quite, some, quite some results, and, and he's been with me from, from day one, a uh, fantastic uh, sports director in our team.
1: How important is uh, the factor of having a rider with such an icon image in the team for the development of young riders? Is that something that adds on to it, or is that something just extra?
2: Well, it adds on because you are listened to huh? when when Kurt Oshle speaks about his experience and and advices give advices to our young riders. They listen because they know that he has a career behind him, both as a as a rider and sports director in Sky Slash Genius. Um, that, that's that's really uh, recognizable, and and I think. Uh, yeah, his his experience and also, how to say it, his sense of understanding racing uh, has helped a lot of riders in our team and will continue to do so.
1: Yeah, certainly. Now, on to that Avenir uh, topic that you spoke about. Tobias Foss won yep. uh, two years ago uh, in his last year in U23 uh, business, let's say. Uh because yeah. won it last year uh in a spectacular manner. Oh, that was a close one at the end. Carlos Rodriguez is <laughs> yes, just about missing out. Um, way too
2: close. I lost my sleep a couple of days there. I'm still dreaming <laughs> yeah. about Rodriguez catching him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh in all honesty, Carlos Rodriguez is a, is a is a great rider. So beating him okay. on that train is certainly proving that he can uh be a proper rider as well. He's shown already that Johannessen has a GC prospect future. And therefore my question is he's contracted until twenty twenty four. Is there a specific pathway that you have set forth for him? Or is it like what is the plan with Johannessen in unix
2: uh, the the plan with and it's it's Johanneson's I also oh, have to mention yeah. because his sorry, brother sorry. also won the stage yeah. at the year and, and came top ten in GC, basically helping yeah. his twin brother to the win. Um Our plan with the Johannesons is to make sure that they get a schedule they deserve, that they develop in the way that we think are right for them. Uh, Of course, we gave them a solid contract for for the three years to come. They totally deserved it based on the performances and and also based on market value. Um, And I think it's it's about common trust. and and my system will never keep riders if we are limiting their potential. And that goes also for Tobias and Andersen and also other talents we have in the team. And But uh, but I think uh, we have now a setup of young riders being on, on the pro circuit road now for the next one, two, three years in UNOX you know, ex- jerseys. Well, we will have quite some team. Uh, and And their biggest dream is to grow into the
1: world tour with our team. And then it's yeah. up to me to make sure that happens. Yep, yeah, certainly. So we spoke about the men's team quite a bit already. Let's go over to yeah. the women's team. You recently, uh, well, the team has recently, uh, or UNOX has recently brought up the women's team uh, for 2022, the first year, and instantly to the women's world tour. So it's, it's nice, let's be honest. And uh, I wanted to ask for, firstly, when the idea of building a women's cycling team was brought up, were there already rumours of the Tour de France Fund becoming a thing? Or was that an added bonus that made the step even more viable?
2: Yeah, it was already, I, I kind of expected that to happen. Uh, we knew that Paris-Roubaix would show up and, and, and Tour de France. and So that was, of course, one initiator. But, but the number one trigger is the fact that we are running a professional system in Scandinavia. And uh, running that only for a men's team, that doesn't sound good at all. Um, why <laughs> yeah. shouldn't you do it for a women's team as well? And we, ju- But we just had to have some years to learn uh, how to organize, how to how to build an organization, what does our staff level look like, and how can we then create a replica of that into the women's team? And that's basically our thought and then it was a management uh, night having a couple of beers and, and discussing uh, what to do next and then the decision were made and uh and and uh, i signed off the press release
1: great awesome i'm happy that you did let's be sure <laughs> you yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> we've seen a significant increase of race days in women's world tour for example the battle of the north uh, being uh arisen uh recently six day stage race uh Supposedly a World Tour stage race as well somewhere, I think in September somewhere. I'm not 100% certain about it. But um, when it comes to the Battle of the North, is that an important race for the Women's World Tour schedule for this team? Or, for example, the Tour de France Femme is most likely the most important one, as I'm guessing the media interest and so forth is an important factor. But how important do you see the Battle of the North?
2: It's really important because it's in Denmark, Sweden and Norway. And... um... We have not had the Norwegian riders uh, winning a stage in Ladies Tour of Norway yet. Now that yeah. is converted into the Battle of North. And of course, that's a huge ambition of us, making sure that we can put Susanna Andersson or uh, one of our yeah. other riders in, in that position. Um, I think the, the whole development in the women's cycling is just what we see in the society in general. And Battle of North having such a great concept between the countries in Scandinavia, I think it's a lot to profit from, from our sport perspective, but also, of course, from a UNIX business perspective. Uh, One of the most important races of the year.
1: Okay, certainly. Now, we see that that adds a lot of race days throughout the season. I think it's now up to 70 and a bit. Um, We see that, for example, the roster of the UNIX women's team is 12 riders. Do you think that that's going to have to grow in the coming years because it won't be viable to have such a limited team for so many race days?
2: I think you can take over my job, Benji, because uh, it's uh, certainly the case that uh, we are thinking about that. Um, and I'm not saying we're going to stay like that, like that even for this season. We have an opportunity already starting the 1st of June to, to adjust for that. Yeah. Uh, we will spend the time wisely now going into the sprint classics and learn and, and see. We have a lot of young riders as well. Uh, so we just have to learn a bit about this and, and see the schedule and how how the riders respond to it. Uh, but we will for sure not be 12 riders, I think, uh, in the years to come. And uh, to be frank, we have to say 11 because Eleanor Barker is uh, yeah, right. pregnant, as you know, and, and, and she will give birth um, hopefully
1: in a couple of months' time. Recently, we've seen multiple announcements that UNOMEX has continued and started sponsorships and partnerships with local clubs for the men's team. Uh, I'm guessing that that is for the development of young riders to make sure there's a continuous flow of talent to the their development team and then the actual Unisex team.
2: Yeah. So what we have done in the, we have a very uh, quite a big sponsorship deal with the, the Danish Federation in Denmark and in Norway we have had that with the Norwegian Federation. It's still ongoing. But I also want to to really recognize the work that is done in the clubs. Um, and without the, how to say, the broadness of development mm-hmm. and young kids on the bike, how can we end up with having riders on the top level? And, and we are a, quite a huge part of our society in Norway from a sporting perspective, but mm-hmm. also from our business perspective. And it just makes totally sense to give back to, to the people working on a voluntarily basis to make sure that our kids are on the bike um so that's my thinking of it um and it, and it's been a part of our system basically since we started in in 14 and 15 um and and hopefully that will create some uh, riders uh, from both genders
1: that we don't know about yeah. yet and we will see about the situation of uh, development of young uh, boys and girls uh, do you think there is currently a how's the balance between the two in norwegian uh, in norway and sweden and so forth when it comes to these local clubs
2: it depends on age uh, a bit skewed uh, later on in the in the youth but early days it's, it's i would say almost 50 50 uh yeah. but then things happen and, and and so on so you you need to make sure that you have strong club environments making sure that it's fun to sit on the bike we don't talk yeah. about weight too early or what to eat too early yeah. or, or what bike to use. Just make sure that you have fun and that you have organized and good club leaders and trainers. And, and, and then things will happen. Uh, it has already happened, I think, for many years in Denmark. Look at, at the amount of riders coming out of that system. Yeah. That, that, that comes of a reason. Um, I, I think we can manage the same in Norway. Um, but, but, but it's not, you can just sit down, wait and relax and see what's yeah. happening. You have to put efforts into.
1: Yeah, quite certainly. Uh, You've mentioned quite a few times that the project is a long-term goal, both the men's and the women's uh, team. The women's team is already a welter team, but still, it's still a a long-term goal. I expect to achieve something in the future or achieve a more idealist uh, Norwegian and Swedish and Scandinavian cycling culture in professional cycling in general. But if you had to think about one dream result that you have in mind in the far future, what would you like to see happen, even if it's not from UNOX, or if UNOX had a part in the development that mm. a Scandinavian rider could achieve? What do you want to see happen?
2: Uh, I think it's it's difficult not to, to mention, of course, the grand tours for, for both genders to see one of the riders that we started off with being transformed into a great Grand Tour rider—it it was fantastic to see Tobias Fosk uh, coming top ten last year for jumbo Wisma and, and we cheer for him in, in these moments. Um, that is, of course, one huge dream. And, and I've been to quite some Worlds now, uh, and and just seeing the rainbow jersey on on the Uno X riders—that that's totally iconic. I must say. Um, and we will see how we will do in Volongongongongongong.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that place. <laughs> that place. <laughs> my my uh, podcast co-host will be slightly offended by the Australian pronunciations. But... Oh, I'm
2: sorry, it was not my <laughs> to offend your Australian not research. my
1: problem. <laughs> but I, I think there's a guy from Serbia having bigger issues with that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> anyway, I do want to thank you for all the time that you spend here uh, talking about all the stuff, UNOX, I want to thank you for coming on, and I uh, do appreciate take, uh, you taking your time for this. Once again, uh, I look forward to see what UNOX has to offer in the coming years. seems like a very fun project, and uh, you seem very hyped about it, and it uh, it's infectious. It, it, it makes other people enthusiastic about it as well. So uh, keep it up, and I uh, hope to see a lot from it. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks, mate. I will stay hyped.
1: Yeah.